This is Motley Fool Answers. I'm Allison Southwick, and I'm joined, as always, by Robert Brokamp and Dayana Yoakum, personal finance experts here at The Motley Fool. So, on today's show, we are going to give you our very best tips and tricks for sticking to your budget. And not only is the advice going to come from our very own Dayana and Robert, but we're also going to talk to a few everyday budgeting heroes who work here at The Motley Fool for their secret to staying on target. So let's just get into today's question. Sounds great. Doesn't that? Yeah. All right. Today's question comes from Sarah, who is in Arlington, Virginia. Dear Motley Fool Answers, everyone talks about needing a budget, and it seems pretty straightforward to create a budget. What I would love to know are your best tips on how to stick to your budget. What can I do to make following my budget as automatic and painless as possible? So... When we talked earlier about how we were going to tackle this question, my first response was, budgeting is so boring. And Diana's response was, no, it's not. This is super exciting and fun. <laughs> and she was like being sincere. I am. <laughs> I am. There's a, there are a lot of ways to talk about this and there's a lot of way, a lot of tricks you can use. And it's actually kind of fun because... When you're winning, it means you've got more money at your disposal to do with what you want. Right. There's a clear correlation between people who budget and people who accumulate wealth. So it's certainly worth doing. Um, a fun stat that I often throw out from The Millionaire Next Door, a, a great book about people who are really millionaires, is that income only explains about 30% of your wealth. So it's really what people do with their money. And uh, also the standard millionaire budgets, plain and simple. They know how much they spend and they have a plan for where their money's going to go. So. You should do a budget. See, Allison, that was a fun stat. Oh, Making gosh. this topic very fun. This is, well, yeah, I'm having fun already. <laughs> so this is this is going to be my challenge to you guys is if you see me kind of drift off and my eyes glaze over, just kind of snap your your fingers in front of my eyes. Or draw on your forehead. I don't want to make it sound like I, I don't have faith in you guys because if anyone is going to make budgeting interesting, it's you two. And if not interesting, great at least set. effective. Yes. Yeah, great, great way to set up expectations. Okay. Yeah, so here we, go. here we go. Robert, so what are we talking about when we're talking about a budget? Because I just think of like income in, income out, mash them together, and there's your number. Right. So people hate the word budget. So people actually come up with better words like spending plan or financial. <laughs> so much better. Financial goal accomplishment plan or something like that. Um, uh, so the first thing to know, at least I'll, in my experience, the times when I've really done a budget is when I'm about to do a big expense, like a house or having kids or something like that. So that's the first thing to keep in mind. Like You have to do a budget to know, can you afford a kid? Can you, What kind of mortgage can you afford and stuff like that? And when you look at all of that, you throw in utilities, insurance, and all that stuff, you really realize that how much you have control over it's very little. There's the discretionary expenses like entertainment and, and things like that. I mean, you can't from month to month decide, you know what, we're going to cut back on our rent or let's cut back on the medical care for yeah. the kids. Um, so let's let's skip that car insurance payment exactly. this quarter. Yeah, exactly. I'm just not feeling it this month. You right. So to Sarah's point, I mean, real, when it comes to sticking with a budget, realizing what you have control over and just focus on those expenses. A lot of the stuff, most of the stuff we spend our money on, you can't really do that much about, at least on a regular basis. So don't worry about it. Yeah, and I, I always recommend uh, picking out, you know, three to five categories of spending that you have that you can control. So maybe it is, don't don't just say food. Maybe label it lunches 
or movies or uh, books or entertainment, whatever it is, clothes, hair care products, whatever some of your bigger spending categories are, just concentrate on those. You can go after those with, with a vengeance as you're budgeting. So then on this show, we're going to assume, maybe rightly so, maybe not rightly so, that you've kind of already done your math or are going to do your math of here's how much income I have coming in and here's what's going out. Well, this yeah, is just about the tips and tricks right. to make it easy and automatic. Right. right. Okay. And so, keep yourself accountable. And keep yourself accountable. So then we're going to focus just on that discretionary income that you can have control over. How do you make it better to control that? Yeah? Yeah. Sounds good. We are in agreement. I make it sound like this is this is a planning <laughs> meeting. Sorry, I turned our podcast into a planning meeting. This is how the sausage is made, people. Yum. Hey, Robert, what are you going to wear for, for this week's podcast? <laughs> I think he's going to wear a plaid shirt. That's right. <laughs> um, I'll be wearing my slippers. Okay. Well, then let's just get to the advice. Diana, what is your first piece of advice for how to make budgeting painless? My number one piece of advice here is pay with paper, not plastic. And what I mean is pay with cash, leave the credit cards at home. This is one of the easiest ways to curb your spending, and it's one of the simplest ways to stick to a budget or to keep yourself in check. I've experienced this firsthand because I have gone with you to many a bar and restaurant, and at the end of the night, everyone pulls out their credit card, and you pull out this... Now I'm making it sound like you're going to get <laughs> mugged, but you pull out a big wad of cash, and yeah. while the rest of us just kind of throw a credit card on there, and we don't even just don't even look at it. Yeah, because I... Well, cash is a very tangible way of spending your money. Credit cards... I liken to, and they really look like a uh, when we go out to the bars, <laughs> they look like poker chips stacking up. You don't feel the immediate loss of your spending power when you just plop down a piece of plastic that's a few steps removed from actual cash that you've had to earn. So uh, just using cash makes you much more aware of what you are spending. And you have another strategy because the other night you didn't have any cash, so Allison had to pay for yeah. Your drink, so don't bring cash, and your friends will cover all your bills. It's a great way to save money. It really it works beautifully. Right. What do you think of the idea? Some people will use just a debit card for their discretionary expenses. Do you think that's as effective? Because that way, once you've spent the money, it's gone. You can't do it. It's not in the moment, and this is and this is what I'm talking about. When you're in situations where, say, you you go to the grocery store and you only have this much cash to spend, a debit card. Isn't necessary unless you really know your balance and Just you pile keep it some at, more ice yeah, cream in yeah. the cart because right. you got yeah, the money. Yeah, and again, it's that it is seriously that loss, that that physical loss of spending power that we feel. Studies show that paying with cash um, actually leads to less spending. And if you apply this solely to food purchases like groceries and meals out, um, it's been found that the average household would household would save one hundred and fifty three dollars a month simply by using cash instead of credit cards. Studies show, Robert. Studies, Studies show. show. Well, yeah, but here's like, so you don't know the balance, right? So you're like, I don't, you don't want to go and check out at the grocery store and find out you've overspent. So that might keep you in check too. Just suggesting that. Yeah. All right. All right, Robert, what's your first piece of advice for making budgeting painless and sticking to it? Well, I think uh, one of the big keys is re reminding yourself why you're doing it. I mean, you, like everything in finances, you have a goal. You don't invest just to have a big portfolio. You want to pay for something down the road. So something actually my wife and I used to do is have our five main financial goals in our wallet. So when you open up your wallet, you knew that this is what we want our money to be able to pay for. Is what we're about to pay for worth that? At the time, what were one of your goals? Do you remember? Uh, well, to have a house. Yeah. Um, and kids, retire, um, stuff like that. Um, at the time, my wife was thinking of getting a PhD. So 
those types of things. Uh, I spoke with one of the fools here, a guy named Marshall, who every month when he gets his uh, uh, 401k statement, he makes that his mouse pad at home. So he's al- he always yeah. knows how much he has because monitoring, monitoring your net worth is also something because it's like, hey, yeah, this is paying off. Um, so you could do that. You could do the goals. You could do maybe the five things you decide are going to help you budget. But keep it in mind. Some people who use tools online will have an email sent to them once a week or once a day. Keep it in mind why you're doing this, how you're doing, and what's the main reason. So, okay. So, Diana, what's your next piece of advice for sticking to a budget, making it simple? Hide your money from yourself. Seriously, get it out of your greedy little mitts. <laughs> Wait, where do I? Where am I hiding it? So this doing? is like so. If you keep your cash out of spending reach, um, you could do this easily by just diverting it to another account. Say so, you keep one account for your must-pay expenses, how much um, you're going to spend on groceries and the bills and everything, and then just move your other money away, maybe even to another banking institutions so that it it's um, a real pain to get to it so you right. don't succumb to those impulses we have so, a we have a savings account at a bank where you you can't access it by ATM or check you have to transfer it first to your checking account and it takes a couple of days so mm-hmm. that's one way to do that yeah it's sort of like a cooling off period right. uh, so you're essentially doing that when you're diverting money from your paycheck into your 401k exactly. right. you're getting it out of there automatically so it's never there for you to spend in the first place so right and there are taxes and penalties for doing it so that it's a built-in incentive not to touch that money right so so in in this you know maybe maybe make your institute a penalty for accessing that other account for something that's not uh, absolutely necessary, like you know, fixing a car. Or so then, can I? Uh, sorry, if this sounds like bank, uh, like a weird banking question, can I actually automate and say like every month I want a hundred dollars taken out of this bank account and moved to this other bank account, yeah. or do I have to contact my bank every time I want to do that? Oh no, it's no automatic no, transfer. Right. So say every month like, on like, the fifteenth, yeah. I want them to take a hundred bucks out of my bank account and move it to here, and then it's like it never existed. You're like it's like paying a bill. Automated bill payment, and you just pick a fixed amount and have it happen before you are able to see that your entire paycheck (laughs) deposited to your checking account. Do you have other ways of hiding money from yourself? My father hides it in a piece of furniture in his house, and we only found this out recently. So we're always like, if he had passed away and we sold all the furniture, someone would have been very happy. So (laughs) if you're going to do that, make sure you tell your relatives where this is. And and, uh, my dad doesn't have that furniture anymore in case you were thinking of breaking into his house. Just saying that. (laughs) Tearing apart the couch. (laughs) This is so bad. Go mug Diana, and then when you're done with that, go break into bro's dad's house. That's right. And just slash the cushions. Yes, exactly. Exactly. My dad lives in Australia, so go find him there. Yeah, good luck. Not really. (laughs) But they still won't be able to find him. Right, before we get to your number one best piece of advice about sticking to a budget and making it as painless as possible, let's talk a little bit about tools. Right. You know, online, to- there's a lot of ads for different online tools to help you budget. What, what Which ones do you like? Uh, well, the most common is Mint, and I do use Mint. Uh, others are Hello Wallet, uh, something called YNAB, which means you need a budget. Um, it's very popular. Um, Quicken, which is actually owned by Intuit, which also owns Mint, but it has its own budgeting as well. A lot of apps out there to track things. I mean, just Google like best financial tools and you'll find something. And I like those partially because they will pull information from your credit card accounts or your bank accounts and categorize the expenses for you. It's not always correct. So you got to go in there and, mm-hmm. and customize it a little bit. And then you get those weekly emails if you want them. Um, but the, the people who are the most dedicated budgeters that I know use their own spreadsheets. Um, they've created them themselves. 
because a lot they a lot of those other tools you, you can't customize them. You kind of gotta have to go with what they have. It's an easier way to do that. Uh, the ones who are married put it up in the cloud, as the kids say these days, so that the spouses can pull it down. They're at the gas station. Boom! Gonna add add this in there. We put that in. Um, there actually some people I know who actually do receipts. They write on what they spend on the receipts. They come home and they put it in a bowl when they get home some point at the end of the day or at the end of the week, they tally it all up in a ledger. And that makes it a little bit more hands-on and tangible. Like, I'm actually writing this mm-hmm. down. Yeah, well, that's, I just learned that that's what my brother and sister-in-law do. Yeah. Wow. I'm also a fan of some of the analog tools for tracking your money. And... Uh, By which you mean a pen and paper? <laughs> well, one of them is the envelope method, which there actually is an online version of this, but simply structuring your everyday or your weekly spending by putting the amount of cash you've allotted to certain expenses into envelopes that physical envelopes physical like you got to go to staples buy a box of envelopes get yep. some cash yep. right on the front of the envelope restaurants yeah food yep. lunch entertainment transportation apparels services dry right. cleaning whatever again, it's it those things that are are Flexible when you wouldn't do that for your mortgage or something like that. Right. But I do know a financial planner does this. First day of the month, she goes into the bank, and you have to do it in manageable bills. Mm -hmm. Um, The bank knows she's coming, and they're they're ready for her. Going to the bank. But but this is great. Right. ATM like like ATMs are so hard to find. They're nowhere. (laughs) But nowhere. But you put the allotted money in there. The the beauty of this is once the cash is gone, so is your weekly stipend. So you've either got to borrow from another category to pay for more drinks or get your. Friend to pay, for, to pay you. for you. I'm just going to point out that in these conversations, I'm never involved. They don't invite me out for drinks. That's all I'm saying. Keep that in mind. Thank you very much. Let's keep. Let's just move on. <laughs> so then, Robert, what is your number one piece of advice for someone who's looking to budget? Uh, don't smart. Look for the absolute perfect solution. Um, what's that saying? The perfect is the enemy of the good. Don't spend all your time trying to figure out whether mint's better or you need a budget is better. Just choose one and go with it. And don't beat yourself up if you don't stick with it. I often compare um, wealth and health or money management to blubber management. And just like if you're on a diet and then you eat a donut, that doesn't mean like I blew it. Now I can go out to eat and eat whatever I want because I failed. Everyone's going to slip up. Nobody is perfect. Accept that that's going to happen. Move on. And you'll just, the more you stick with it, the more you will improve more you'll be like, okay, this method works for me or not. I got to try something else. Diana, how about you? What's your number one piece of advice? My number one piece of advice is to sweat the big stuff. Uh, If you are constantly keeping tabs on little things that don't add up to that much. The latte. The lattes. If you really enjoy that latte, then make that part of your non-negotiable spending. But seriously, look at the biggest expenses you have. And one of them, this, I found this interesting, is vacations. So less than 10% of people actually price out a vacation before they hit the hit the road. And yet the average tab is around $2,300. And that comes to 8% of the average American's annual income. So if you're comparison shopping for frozen peas, trying to save money at the grocery store, I would say probably your time is better spent in planning out all of the all of the things that add up to what you're going to spend on a vacation. So look at your biggest ticket items, your biggest expenses, attack there first because you're 
people really only have a, a finite amount of energy to spend, you know, trying to stick to a budget and all yeah. of this. Right. And uh, related to that, do that before you commit yourself to a, a big ticket mm-hmm. expense. So I mentioned how my wife and I have done this before we bought a house. It's good to know how much of a mortgage you can afford because once you get the mortgage, you can't say, oh, yeah, I'm going to cut back on the mortgage. Uh, know it beforehand because that's a fixed expense yeah. you're going to have to live with. Ooh, can I have one more? Yes, Diana from the back I'm of sorry. the room. No, we have to stay within our budget. One, <laughs> only one thing. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Okay. Uh, but only use cash. So here's here's my second number one piece of advice in this category is show restraint with so-called found money. You know, when you get a tax return, you know, when you get a bonus or some extra money comes at you, people treat that money differently than they than they do earned money. Woo! Yeah, Blow it's it. party time. I mean, I've I've been to like spend my tax refund 3 times just because it's like, well, no, I'm I'm going to allocate it towards this. It's like, I forgot. I spent it on this last week. So what you should do is actually remove that mo- or, or mingle that money with your earned money. So it becomes so you look at that account balance and you see it as one thing and um, and that that found money or the, those extra bonuses are a great way to get ahead. Yeah. Right. And I'll just add to that. People have trouble budgeting because of that. You might get a bonus or something else. Um, I, I suggest you devote that money to something like your vacation. You get a big bonus, you can maybe take a nicer vacation. If not, then you're going to have to cut back a little bit. And never plan on it. Right. Never plan on You don't on deserve that a vacation. Mm-hmm. Well, you never know when something's going to go south and right. you end up spending it on car repairs or, or you don't get it in the first place. Right. All right. Well, now it's time for us to move on and get some advice from some of our local budgeting heroes here at The Motley Fool. There's a lot of really smart, savvy people who work here at The Motley Fool. And so we asked them what was their number one piece of advice that has helped them out the most for staying on budget. And this is what they had to say. Hi, I'm Megan Brinsfield, and I'm a CFP here at Motley Fool Wealth Management. And you can't have a budget until you know what you're spending. So I recommend using Mint.com or a similar tool to get a handle on your current situation, and then you can set a budget to improve from there. I'm Ruben Dahlke. I'm a QA in the tech department at The Motley Fool. And what my wife and I do to uh, stay on budget is turn annual expenses into monthly expenses. So, for example, we drive a 1992 Geo Prism. It's kind of a terrible car. Um, It often needs expensive work done. And so we set aside a small amount every month so that when we do need to have repairs done, even if they're unexpected, we have the money to cover them. Uh, Sean Gates, CFP, uh, Foolish Financial Planner at Molly Fool Wealth Management. A lot of people tend to focus on cutting back only on discretionary items, like the daily latte. But I was actually able to cut my housing expenses by realizing I could live in less than 1,200 square feet. Uh, Most people spend around 25% of their income on housing, but I was able to get it down to 10% by realizing that I could be happy with less. My name is Emily Wallingsford, and I'm a project manager for Fool One. I'm also an accredited financial counselor. I use YNAB for my budgeting software, and I would say my number one tip is to adjust and be flexible along the way. You're not going to make it under budget in every category every month, so if you go over and you're dining out, then you need to cut back in your groceries or vice versa, whichever category you choose to sacrifice that month. All right, that's going to do it for today. When you ask, Motley Fool answers.
See what I did there, oh, Diana? That was good. That was, pretty that was good. really good. So email us your questions to answers at fool.com. Please put clogs in the subject line. <laughs> and if you'd be so kind as to rate our little show on iTunes, we would really appreciate it. I would like to thank Mary D82 for her review. She said, I love all of the Motley Fools podcasts, and this new one is also great. Yay. I know. The hosts are really funny. And I've already learned a ton of new money tips. Isn't that sweet of her? Nice. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> so, pretty please, let us know what you think of the show by rating it on iTunes. For Robert and Diana, I'm Allison Southwick. Fool on. Fool on.